Welcome, everybody, to this emergency edition of the Gwintelligence Podcast. I am David Marver of Change the Padres, joined by Padres Jagoff. Yeah, this, this is an incredible emergency podcast, Marver. This is the first one we've had in a long time. I know. It's, I think it's the first one since they signed James Shields. I think that's the case, right? Or did we do one when they traded James Shields? I don't remember. I think we did one at the trade. I think we did a Cahill one because I remember driving home from work for that one. But this one is, this one is crossing time zones and whatnot. I know. And we had, yeah, we had our uh, our um, three year requirement, right? It had to be a three year deal. And last podcast we talked about how we didn't think there would be a single one this off season, or it wasn't looking that way. And now we can finally end our moratorium on talking about Air Cosmo on the podcast. So that's. Yeah. Great news on our multiple is it, friends. Is it great news? <laughs> I think it's it great. is. It's and, okay you know, news, right? Yeah. It's it's great news, I think. Well, Marvin, let me let me uh, discuss my surroundings right now. Uh, I'm, I'm in a Palapa bar. There's a, a coastal breeze hitting me, and I'm overlooking the ocean right now, the Golfo Dolce in Costa Rica. So I've taken a break out of my exciting vacation, uh, paid for by points, um, to be here for this emergency podcast, just to satisfy Leisure Fryer. That's yes. We have to satisfy all those fans. Um, what? Uh, how did you find out about the deal? I was about twenty minutes late into finding out about it. I was doing stuff in my house. You know, I'm on and off Twitter occasionally during the weekends. And when I went back on, I saw that I had sixty-one notifications, and I hadn't even tweeted. I uh, was about to go to bed, but I'm on Central Time here, so um, it wasn't. It was kind of late, but it was still, you know, I think it was still early in San Diego time when it happened. But I, I happened to see AC's tweet where he, he didn't just tweet it. He didn't just tweet a rumor. He, like, had a fully written uh, article already on it. So I read that, and then obviously I had to stay up for a little bit and see the Twitter action and whatnot. And then I uh, gave up and went to sleep. I couldn't even keep up. There was just so much stuff happening on Twitter, like like 50 conversations that... We're it's just up in my news feed. It's just none of the conversations I, I cared about. You know, like, we've been through this for months now. Like, there's nothing new to be said. I know where everyone stands. Um, so, like, what... Uh, the only thing I was staying up for was to see the contract terms, and then I gave up on that. I saw Morosi's tweet on the length of it, and then I gave up and just went to sleep. I, I, I did a little bit of drinking last night. Yeah, it took a little bit of time before the uh, the terms were flushed out, but... Uh, just to recap, the Potters have signed or are going to sign Eric Cosmer to an eight-year contract worth a total of $144 million. That's with a $5 million signing bonus, and the first five years are $20 million per year. So basically, at the very least, they're on the hook for five years on $105 million. After that, it's $13 million per year. So, But they're probably on um, the hook for eight years and $144 million, if we're being honest. Yeah, I, I would say the odds are you know, pretty high that that's going to be the case. But... Uh, let's talk about what you think of the deal because we have been hearing these rumors for quite a while that it was going to be seven years, 144 million, you know, all these different ways. And, uh, you know, we, we then saw that the Potters were trying to be creative in their offer. We didn't know what that meant. Now we just, <clears throat> now we really see what it meant, right? This opt out is front loaded. Um, what do you think of the terms? Is it better than you expected? Worse than you thought? Look, what, what are your thoughts on it? Um, I think the average. I mean, aside from the fact, that, you know, le- leaving aside the fact that, uh, in general, we both agreed that it probably wasn't going to be a great use of resources. Like, but now that you actually see the terms, where does that rank compared to what right. you were expecting? Uh, I think the average fan is like, oh man, they front loaded it, great. But like, the thing is, quality organizations um, don't break everything down into just one year budgets, right? And, and we said it, and Simborski said it on our podcast about how when you front load, I mean. It makes sense on the surface, but if you just save the money, like you can earn interest on it or earn ROI on it, like it, it, there's not really any difference. I think what this does is it gives Hosmer an out, obviously, if he performs in that year five, which we can discuss later the likelihood of that. But I, I guess when I see it, I don't think of it as a five-year opt-out. I just think he's going to be on the payroll for eight years. Uh, unless we give away yeah. something and, and try to shed salary that way, but basically he's—I I feel like the team's on the hook for the eight years. I think there's very little chance that they will enjoy that opt-out. Yeah, I was actually. And, and so, so quite... yeah, I guess it's better than just giving him a straight-up seven-year, eight-year contract, but because at least there's a chance. Um, so on that, in that respect, it's better. But I don't, 
you know, I'm not excited about the, the length of the contract. Yeah, I was a little worried when I first saw eight years. I was particularly worried because we had been hearing seven years, $144 million. So that eighth year, I was just basically tacking on another $20 million and thinking it was going to be 160 or something. So it almost seems like we got like a, an eighth year kind of thrown in at the cost of what we were already I guess, but <laughs> to me, like... Worried about. To but, me, you know, I, so I feel that, like he'll be DFA'd long before that. It's possible. But I, I, in the meantime, I was actually pretty excited. Um, I wasn't sure exactly how I'd react when I saw it because there is the part of me that recognizes that first base is one of your least important positions. It's a player with very uh, polarizing fan graphs war versus just scouts' opinions on him, right? He's won multiple gold gloves, but all the metrics say that he's actually not good at fielding. And that plays a very large role into his you know, overall value as fan graphs and baseball reference grades him. Um, so for those reasons, you know, I, I wasn't sure if when I actually saw the news and I saw the fact that they signed him, if I was going to be happy about it or if there was going to be a part of me like deep down inside that was going to be like, oh no, like this is Matt Kemp all over again. But I, I didn't have that feeling. I was actually pretty overjoyed. The fact, you know, Eric Hosmer, no, he's not a superstar. And I think anyone expecting him to be a superstar uh, should really watch Nolan Arenado or Manny Machado or any of the actual superstars in baseball play baseball for a whole season and then compare that to your other players. You know, it's been so long since we've had a superstar that I think we have collectively lowered our bar. But I would say that Eric Hosmer is good at baseball and the Padres never seem to sign good free agents. So let alone the fact that he's good, he's also 28. And, you know, I, I just... Oh, wow, and he's 28. Happy to see the team. Actually. That's great, right? But not for Jose Perella, right? That's, I mean, he's old, he's old and not a part of the future. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a pretty sizable difference between Jose Perella and Eric Hosmer. Um, I understand what the projections say, but we, we've went through this last year with, with you know, Schimpf, and we've gone through this in the past with many of these guys. There's a reason that they're stuck in AAA and not, and not playing a lot of baseball at the major league level, and I don't think it has anything to do with um, their long-term value. I think there's actual we scouting about, reasons why we can talk about players don't a little later. We, we talk about the, you know, the impacts of this related to Will Myers, but um, as far as to wrap up, like the terms of it, like it's, I, I think I've come around to your side a little bit on at least they spent the money, I guess, and that's that's such a desperate and sad point of view that we have now because that's what we settle for instead of uh, hey they made a, a great decision he's really going to be a proven contributor in the future and, and we settle for well at least at least the money didn't go up Ron Fowler's nose right and, and so it's good right it didn't go up his nose but it, it probably could have been spent better um, I, yeah, I, I guess I, and, and look Hosmer's I, not a player like I, I go to Padres games right I, I'm not going to buy a ticket now just to see Hosmer Right, I'll go to the games I normally would, but I don't really envision Hosmer being the kind of player that's going to really get me out to the yard to see what he's going to do. You know, he's not—he's not that kind of player. He's not even proven. He's—he's he's up and down. Like he's—he's the—he's the epitome of erratic performances year to year. And so, I—I I think he's—he's he's good, right? I don't think anyone thinks he's bad. It's just I don't—I don't—I don't think it—it it changes anything really right we're moving will myers to left field where he's going to suck at defense right let's say jose perilla somehow repeated what he did last year like you're moving laterally right you're moving him out there and you're taking perilla out of the lineup that's that's a lateral move so i don't know i guess i don't see the plan and i guess we can talk a little more about something new beat writer kevin ac wrote about how if the padres sign eric hosmer that's it there there will be no other large signings after this that's incredibly concerning to me because right now our payroll's at what ninety million dollars, and that's yeah. where the team is drawing the line. That's, and that's not to say they won't sign some smaller players, but smaller players don't take you to the championships. Yeah. So a, a few things on that. One, I I don't know. We, we we talk about we can spend the money better, but if we were actually to go look at the players this offseason that were available, I'm not sure if there's a option that works better for 2019 and 2020 than Hosmer. He's the like he's basically the youngest guy that was available, that's like pretty decent, right? They could have. Now this is setting aside Otani. Obviously, that was something that was entirely different. They made a pursuit on him. I would have 
much preferred to get Otani than Hosmer, but in the context of all the players that you could have actually just thrown money at and, and signed, I feel like Hosmer is the one with the highest chance to actually contribute in 2020. I mean, the other options were, I'm not sure, you Darvish. I mean, you're talking about an arm with much more, you know, attrition than a player who's played multiple seasons in a row with no health problems, right? Well, we could have gotten six, Zach Cozart six and, and Carlos Santana. Yeah, but those players don't really help you in those years. I mean, those we don't know that. I mean, there are players that are productive at 35. Like yeah, Nelson, Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz is, is that old, right? We have no idea. You have no idea, Marber. Like pitchers, some pitchers do, like especially like a U Darvish pitcher, do succeed at that age. Plenty of them. Sure, Plenty of them have. Sure, but I think if and, and first basemen have a different, have, off, certainly have a worse aging curve than those other positions. That's not true. That is that's true. That's actually not true. No, it's not true. But uh, I mean, Cozart's a shortstop. He's now playing third base. I mean, there's almost no chance at all that he's above replacement four years from now. Like, it's going to be – it's a very close to 0%. Chance. That's what Hosmer is. Hosmer's – no, he's not. He's, he's around that old, chance at 32. Nah, Hosmer's 28 years old. First basemen are done by then. By 32, they're done. No, they're not. That's. They're I mean, I guess, I guess in Hosmer's case, he doesn't have power to lose at that point. So, I guess if he's just going to keep being a, a doubles hitter, maybe, maybe he keeps that. But – I mean, he's 28, and he had his absolute best season of his career last year. Right, so a career year behind a contract at, year. Those always work out great. They always repeat the contract I, years. I think that's just I think that's just randomness. I mean, people had these same complaints when the Seattle Mariners signed Adrian Beltre after his great year with the Dodgers. And while he had maybe like a blip in his following season at Seattle, he ended up being a fantastic player for the rest of his career. I'm not comparing Hosmer and Beltre. I'm just saying that I think the career year of this guy produced more is kind of... Uh, That's the thing, like though. One of those it's really not like Hosmer has four, has four years of production. Through. It's not like he's got four years track record. He's he's got every other year of good production, right? He's you you may get good, you may get bad. Like he's to me, he's he's okay. But we discussed okay. this look, with Dan Zimborski, though. He didn't think he didn't think that's an actual thing. He thinks that like so if you if you look at a player, right? If you take Eric Hosmer and you say he's a two and a half win player. That's the center. That's his median expectation, and there's a bell curve around two and a half wins. Then, over if you randomly draw six years just based on randomness, there are simulations where you're going to end up with three good years and three bad years. It's just randomness, right? Everything. And and an average Even of two and a half. Morsi, the guy who breaks down all these numbers doesn't think that there's anything to the fact that he is sometimes good and sometimes bad. It's just the way that his career is manifested. It just means that he's not a four-win player like he was last year. It means he's more like a two-win player because. Over time, he averages about two wins. I don't think you can't sit here and say, "Oh, he's a two-win player," and that's only if he's healthy. It's like, no, he's either. If you're going to make that argument, then you have to acknowledge the fact that he's a four-win. player. I guess you're citing Zimborski. You're citing Zimborski, and I'm looking at his Zips projections for Hosmer through the life of the contract, and it's 2.4, and then negative point two. Yeah. So if you're going to draw the belt, if you're going to draw the belt, math on it. The Zips is looking at about 1.6, 1.7. At, at the no, but that's that's including aging. I'm talking about his his previous performance when you're actually judging what he currently is. Who cares about but his previous look, performance? It doesn't matter. His, his forward-looking okay. performance is what matters the most. Sure, and his forward-looking performance, if you look at his zips projections, and he look looks at, like you look garbage. At it looks bad. It's not. No, it doesn't at all. He's I don't good. Know where he's you're, he's you're what average to good, right? Two point is an average starter. I mean, I mean sure, like let, let's look at this. In, let's look at this in context. Is he is he the fourth best first baseman in the division now? Uh, I guess. I, I mean, Will Myers. Will Myers is probably the fourth best the, as well. So it's kind of a lateral, lateral move. But it's not like we're moving up the rankings. Like Goldschmidt's better. Bellinger's better. Who else is there? Who am I forgetting? Sure, but who who are you going to sign? Is he, is he better? Bellinger? What is he about? Are about you equal to Bellinger? Is he about equal to Brandon Goldschmidt? I mean. I would rather have him than Brandon Belt going forward. I think, although I think they're fairly comparable players, but I, I mean, you have to. Like, does anyone on Earth get excited for Brandon? Options. Does anyone on Earth get excited but, for Brandon Belt? Yeah, but who, were you going to sign Paul Goldschmidt as a free agent this we already, year? No, we already have, Paul Goldschmidt we have the, was not a free agent. We have the equivalent agent. already. We already had a first baseman there. That's that's about as good as them. I, I mean, I think Will Myers is pretty demonstrably worse than Eric Hosmer, to be completely honest with you. By demonstrably, you, Over mean, the course, you mean that the results that he's showing are that much worse? 
Yeah. I mean, he's, he's up and the, down every the, year. I mean, if you just go look at the bulk, you know, playing statistics of the two players, even in context with the stadiums they've played in, at the ages they've played at, Eric Hosmer is a better player than Will Myers. And we've had this discussion on the podcast before. Um, but I think you have to put it in context of what they could have done. I mean, you, you still haven't offered an alternative that's any good in 2020 or has any chance of being good in 2020. You've offered a well, what Zach about, Cozart, what a about, 32-year-old what about shortstop waiting? who's actually – What about waiting? Who's not like – because sure, the excuse and, that AC we, gave, we can get to that, that too. Because the excuse AC gave was, there's going to be too much competition and the prices are going to be too high. Like there's there's sixty million dollars of payroll ceiling before they hit their break even. Like they have the money to compete for players. I don't disagree with you on that, but I do think so. That if- so just disregarding everything that's available in 2019 and 2020 is is just loser talk to me. I don't understand why you're why we concede loss before it even happens. Like every and then everyone jumps in and they're like, "Well, there's no chance they're going to sign Harper and Machado." Well, yeah, obviously, but there's another 50 players that are going to be hitting free agency that are that are good and potentially helpful. Yeah, but you're still. So I think you're kind of conceding the argument because my argument going forward isn't, "Oh, they signed Eric Hosmer, and now we can shut up and just." But, wait. but that I is mean, what they're doing. Advocating. They, they've already said that they're not going to sign any other big players. No, that's one article from John Morosi. No, that's from, Kevin that's, from Ke- not- that's from Kevin Acey. That's from Kevin Acey. Sure, but we've also seen in the past the Padres say, oh, they're never going to pay a player $20 million, and now they're paying a player $21 million over the first five I- years. I like how we pick so. and choose what we're going to believe that Acey reports on, based on whether it fits whatever we want to believe. Like, he pretty, pretty clearly, ha- pretty clearly he pretty clearly has some good some good <laughs> contacts somewhere. Like, the way that he reported on the Hosmer deal, like... Someone's trusting him inside Petco Park. Sure. I, I do think there is something, though, to the fact that this offseason you had the Dodgers and Yankees and other teams that were up against the salary cap that will not – or not cap, the luxury tax – that will not be up against the luxury tax in future years. And I don't think we should concede that the Potters can't sign other players. I think it's a, an argument that we need to continue to make that the payroll is still low and you can still sign more players, particularly if Hosmer has a good year. Let's say he just does what he did last year. And there's reason to believe that he could actually improve because 28-year-olds in general actually perform better than 27-year-olds. So there is there is an upward trajectory for the next two years that you can actually dream on that's reasonable and not based in you know some la-la land where you think 32-year-old Eric, uh, Zach Cozart is going to be good when he's 35. That's not how it works. I mean, I don't even think Eric or, uh, Zach Cozart would be good this year, but that's another argument. All I'm saying is that if Hosmer has a good year, that actually speaks to the fact that the Padres should continue to actually target decent players in free agency because it doesn't cost you anything really. Right, but money. let's say AC's in this right. Case, it costs us a third round pick, right? That's that's like nothing. That's essentially yeah. I don't care about not the much pick, at all. But let's say right. AC's right. But okay, look, he's got multiple sources from supposedly yeah, so within. I'm not going to actually entertain an argument on which Kevin AC is correct. I understand that he broke this news 20 minutes before every, other other people. But that's not a reason to believe everything he writes. If you know anything about Kevin Acey's history... What if he's actually, right? What if he's right and this is it? Sure, he could be right, but he also made many, many predictions about the Chargers when he was their beat writer that were completely, completely right. false. Right, I'm speaking kind He said of hyper- North Turner was going to get called, like, fired like 20 times. He said the same thing about Mike McCoy. It never came true. So I'm not going to take Kevin Acey's words at face value. I'm, I'm speaking hypothetically. there's a chance though. the Padres so don't spend more. Let's say, I think there's a chance they do spend more. Let's say he's right. I'm going to grade right? Eric Hosmer's signing in context of the alternate choices they could have made. And the alternate choices, in my opinion, Moustakas, Darvish, Arietta, any of the ones that would have taken pure money that were not Shuhei Itani, I'm fine with Hosmer. He's the youngest of all of them. These young free agents have an incredibly good track record, actually. And the fact that he maybe had some up-and-down seasons leading up to now, and maybe you can say he's coming off a career year, that might be why he could end up being a bargain, actually. He might actually be this four-win player, and it just took him a while to learn how to play consistently and go through all those things consistently. There are other ex- examples in the past of players who have had up-and-down starts to their careers. I mentioned another one on our podcast before, Aramis Ramirez. He had a very similar uh, start to his career where he had a couple bad years, a couple good years, a little bit of them being intermixed. There were a lot of questions about whether or not he was actually going to be good. He ended up having a fantastic career and played until he was like 38. So I don't think... I think to look at it inside this box of, oh, we've we've paid $20 million more than we would have liked to have paid, obviously it's a terrible signing. No, that just means that the odds of it working out are slightly lower than 50%, but that doesn't mean that it can't. He might end up producing $200 million. We even had Dams and Borsky on the podcast say, yeah, there's a you know a 20% chance that he ends up being a, a 
good bargain. You mean you know, a, like a four percent chance? And I think it was a four percent chance. No, it wasn't a four percent chance. That was I asked him if it, he ended up producing two hundred, like a surplus of a hundred million. I think is what he said four percent was. But in any case, uh, and just to finish I, I the thought, you Br- have to Brandon Belt. Brandon Belt's better though, than right? Hosmer. You have to also. sign these. You have <laughs> like, to sign I'm, these sort of, sorts of players, and and you know sometimes they're going to work out and sometimes they're not. But if the thing is with Hosmer, it's like again, what are the alternatives? You're not offering any alternatives, right? And, and so that's the point. That's the point I've come. That's the point I've come around on. The alternatives right? are what? Thirty-five-year-old Josh Donaldson. You know, like I mean, they're not going to sign Machado and Harper, even though I would think that's a reasonable option. But you're not actually pointing at guys that are going to be younger than Hosmer, that are as good as Hosmer, that will certainly be available on better terms than Hosmer. I don't know how well, many of those no, guys. No, it's not fair to say they're exist. not as good as Hosmer. That's easy to match how good Hosmer is. Uh, you can say that they're not as young, um, but I don't think you can say they're not as good as Hosmer. I mean, over the terms of the contract is what I'm getting at. And, and I mean, you know, you again, those like I said, projections, and he's, he's fine. He's the, fourth, they're, they're he's, the fourth, he's the fourth best first baseman in the division. Like, I'm looking at Brandon Belt's numbers. He's much better. Like, consistent. Yeah, but he's consistently yes. better. Sure, but none of those players will ve- are available as free agents. Which option at first base was available that's better than those Isn't guys? Isn't Goldschmidt a free agency free agent in 2020, 2019? I forget. I think he might have, he might have an opt-out or something. But, again, you're talking about a guy that will be considerably older than Hosmer is then. You know, and you're like, you're... Also banking on the fact that these players will sign with the Padres, and I don't know if there is. Stop being a loser. Stop talking like a loser like that. Like if you offer them more money, they will sign here. In most cases, like especially if they're a Boris client. Sure, sure. So you're going to offer a 32 year old Paul Goldschmidt more money than you can pay, you know, 28. I don't know. I thought we were happy that they were just spending money. I'm judging it in. I think I I thought we were so ecstatic that they were just the first signing of many signings that they need to make, right? And. So you're, Look, you're I, I think people it's, are saying, oh, we could have spent it here, we could have spent it there. It's like, this. we need to be looking at this as a small portion of what they overall need to right. spend. Right, and, and, and if I think this was you know, part of something more, I, I think I'd be a, maybe a little more behind it, but I, I don't, I'm not ready to just say, well, AC's just a hack, like he doesn't know what he's talking about. I, I think someone... But he doesn't know I think what he's someone, talking about. I mean, I think someone story, literally, we can go back over... We can go back over Kevin Ace's career. And we can go over Lynn also. We can go over every beat writer, and they have a bunch of wrong statements. Because they're exactly. fed. That's because why we they're shouldn't fed, be taking them as. Because they're fed that by the team, and they publish sure, whatever and that's the team why we shouldn't necessarily them. take it at face value. That's so why. Then, I, so then that begs look, to, I, I look that begs at the to facts ask why, in the statement. Why right? is the team I look pushing, at the facts in it. Why is sure. the team pushing He's that He's reporting the terms. That sounds accurate. But if you're talking about actually, oh, we got to take these beat writers and take what they're saying, and you know, this is certainly a good prediction, like. That's fucking garbage. You're going to make terrible predictions doing that. Okay, and that's wh- something that then ask yourself, wh- wh- why, is, why are the Padres pushing that into the media then? Because they need to. Is lower it to the manage fan expectations? It's, sure. Yeah. All the like a lot of teams do this, and that's why I'm saying we need to look at this in context. I don't know. Of, I think most teams they need to spend enjoy enjoy instilling in hope into years, their fan base. Right? I think that's generally what they like to do, because hope sells tickets. Uh, I'm not entirely sure, but. I, I think there's well. What do you know? You live in Delaware. You don't go to games. To, <laughs> I'm the one going to games. I think there's a little bit more. I think there's a little bit more nuance to it than that. I, I think there is. I don't think it's necessarily. You think this team uh, in their front some, office all is smart are, enough to have nuance? Have you watched them? I. You think Wayne no, Partello has nuance? Their reaction is is nuanced. Like he doesn't have nuance in anything he's ever done. Ron Fowler? Um, Ron, nuance I, again, is not what is I not think what of with Ron Fowler. <laughs> no, I'm not saying their response is nuanced. I'm saying that I think the actual uh, relationship between baseball front offices and the media and the message they want to portray, I don't think it's as black and white as, oh, they want to portray hope. I think there's a little bit more nuance to uh, how fan, like the, the groups of fans that fan bases have. In any case, my entire point is if you're listening to Kevin Acey and you're actually trusting what he's saying as being factually and directionally accurate going forward you're a fucking idiot because that means you haven't read anything that ac's written over the last 10 years as a beat writer in sports and well, like so i think we're gonna you did that you would understand that he's incredibly inaccurate a lot of the time so i think we're gonna will talk take i feel like we're whatever gonna talk dean AC. spanos whatever john spanos says to him and he'll make it into a sensational article with no ba- actual factual basis in reality so i don't think we should take we should congratulate sure we should congratulate ac for breaking the story but to then extrapolate and take a quote in the story and say, oh, they're not spending any more going forward, 
So now we have to analyze the Eric Hosmer trade as if they're never going to spend any money. Well, I mean, if that's the case, if they're not going to spend any money at all, then there's not, not a single sign that it's good. He said they won't sign, quote, Marwin Gonzalez or uh, DJ LeMahieu level players, which is the 14th and 15th best free agent for 2019. How, sure. I, I, we'll I mean, I mean, I mean, we can try we'll to guess at it. Like, how big is that? We'll see. If how they big do a contract? Are we, I mean, I, I'm not. How big a contract is Marwin? I don't Gonzalez know if they will at? or not. You know, I, I I don't think it's fair for us to sit here right now and say they're not going to. Maybe Will Myers has a good year and they trade Will Myers and they get more money off the books. And not that they have to get money off the books, but maybe that will in- incentivize them to do it. Or Hosmer has a good year. God, that's so depressing. And ownership looks at it's it and so says... It's so depressing that we have it, to build in the idea that they need a shed salary to pick up players at, at a $90 million payroll. No, I'm, I am saying ways that even if what Kevin Acey is saying is correct, that they're not going to, I'm still giving you ways in which that could be turned out to be false oh, right yeah so, we only need to, we, I, we only need to get rid of one of our better players that's that's cool 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 you cool. just yeah but yeah but you just said will myers sucks so and you can't in one argument say will myers sucks, sucks. And then turn i around. think he's fine he's okay like he's like hosmer he's fine he's okay okay so now we can't trade okay players see i mean I, there's just like an inconsistency in your arguments going on here that i don't think is very uh very fair to the conversation in in any case the way I look at the Hosmer thing is in the context of there were not that many good options in free agency, in the context of next year, the options in free agency, besides Harper and Machado, are older and likely to be just as expensive with more potential bidders. I, I think it's a totally fine signing. I don't think it's a great use of resources, but I do think that you know you have to spend resources. They absolutely do have to spend resources. If they want to be good in 2019, 2020, they have to supplement what they're bringing up through the minor leagues with good players through free agency. Can I, th- can I throw and a hypothetical I don't see- out? So, so next year, uh, uh, someone that we know sure. and love, uh, Drew Pom Pom Pomerantz, right, hits the free agent market. He's like the ninth best free agent coming out. Like, you don't think he's a guy that, you know, maybe it makes sense for the team to pick up, right? Like a fairly experienced all-star starter. Like, like, assuming he repeats what he did last year and the year before, right? And so, do you really do you see the team signing the number nine free agent now at this point, or, or do you think they're? I'm not trying to be snarky. Like, I'm asking a real question. Like, do you, do you think that they would be in the market for a player like that who I would argue fits what they're trying to do? You know, fits what a positional need going forward. Um, I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure Pomerantz is a good example, but yes, I actually do think they will be in the market for re- for free agents, assuming a Pomerantz a- caliber free agent. Like, a, le- uh, yeah, what do you sure. think he'd sign for? He's pr- he's fairly young, right? He's twenty. He'll be twenty eight or so. I I'm not going to put a contract on Drew Pomerantz because I think there's a pretty high probability that he gets hurt or doesn't perform well. Right, but assume he doesn't. Assume he just repeats what he did last year, which was pretty good. Like sure. the, what tenth or twelfth best like- pitcher in the AL. I think he'll get like five years and close to 100 million. He's 29, so he'll be 30 going into next offseason. Yeah, I think he'll get like five years, 90 million or something. If he is, repeats, is that what he a did contract you see the Padres signing? Or I think it depends. Out? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't think they're out of that, and I don't think we need to be looking at it as if they're out of it. Because if they're out of it on a five-year, 90 million dollar contract, and it doesn't matter that we gave the money to Eric Hosmer, they could have given the money to fucking Mike Pence, they could have given the money to anyone, and just they could have just flushed it down the drain. Because if their entire future depends on one free agent contract that's $144 million. I'm sorry to break it to you, but they're not going anywhere. Right. Well, that's my fear. So we have to look at it <laughs> in the context of other things. Well, I mean, if that's what you're worried about, then, you know, it, then it doesn't matter. Then this contract doesn't matter because they weren't going anywhere. The contract is just fine. So I, oh, the way God, I have they're to look not going at it anywhere. Is, <laughs> the way I have to look at it is, in order for them to be good in 2020, not only do they need these minor leaguers to continue to progress... Not only do they need to hit on either Tatis or Gore, or both, but they also have to be able to make wise decisions in free agency that bring them players that will be good when they're going to be good. And if I look at all the free agents this past season, I don't feel that way about Jake Arrieta. I don't feel that way about any of the well, other arms. If you only look at this year, then yeah. Everyone knew this year's not, free agent class sucked. Like, this has been sure. known for a year now. Sure, so you... I, I guess the options were to either sit there, yes, sit there, or to waste money on place, or to waste money on placeholders. But if you, the thing is, if you sit there, then you have to actually have viable options in the future. And I'm not sure there are good viable options next off season. I just don't. I'm not sure I feel that way because I, I think our window is a little bit longer than the light and then the shelf life of the free agents that are available next year, with the exception of Machado and Harper, which I don't think are realistic plays for the Padres. Even though I think they would have made sense. 
So, in that context, I'm fine getting Hosmer. I really am. I do think there's a chance that he's a four-win above replacement player. Last year was a more of an accurate manifestation of his overall talent than his career. And that, you know, if you do some sort of aging curve on that, he's going to be fine. He's going to produce above the contract. I think there's a chance that that happens. And I don't have to squint very hard to see it. I would have to squint incredibly hard for me to see Zach Kozar contributing in 2020. Because I don't even the, think he's going to be above replacement next year. Hold on. Have so, we asked Dan? We should ask Dan Zimborski what he would need to do to live up to his contract. It's not that much because the terms you actually quoted earlier adds up in free agency to about 90-something million over the first five years. Okay. So, like, up until the... Up until his buyout, he's actually almost market value. It's those oh, cool. final so just three years average for two war. He's going to be a two-war player for five years. That's cool. I mean, if he if he averages that, he basically lives up to the terms of the contract. I mean, that's that's unfortunately that's the cost of free agency now. So, players get paid an absolute shit ton of money, and so look, only I'll, a couple I'll, wins above replacement does in fact give you the market value of what the contract is. I mean, that's that's just how it is in free agency now. Like, if he ends up being a four-win above replacement player for the life of his contract. Then he was worth like three hundred million dollars, you know. So like, it's or at least compared to what teams are paying other free agents for you know similar production. So I, I don't think it's actually that far fetched. I mean, if they signed him to an eight year, one hundred and fifteen million dollar contract, would you be pissed off? That might be his market value, but to to sit here now and say eight years from now I'm going to be pissed off over those thirty million dollars of lost value we paid. I mean, I think that's kind of an insane uh, sort of. I feel like that's a very uh, pessimistic way of looking at everything in life. And so I'm looking at it as, look, they finally gave ourselves an opportunity to pay $144 million to get $144 million of production. I would rather have them do that than pay $0 to get $0 you know, dollars of production. Right. So that's and, because, and that's look, because you, like you're, I said multiple you know, times, obviously we, we have to sign many players. We look at it's it from not a different just about Eric right? Hosmer. And so... If it is only Eric Hosmer, it's a terrible contract, but it's also a terrible philosophy. Well, it could have never worked, even if they gave that $144 million to, I don't know, any, anyone else. If if that's all they have to invest, it doesn't matter who it is because it's not going to work. Look, we've got an obvious difference point. in perspective because I'm not willing to just say, oh, this thing that was published that was given to AC by two people, it's probably garbage. I'm not saying it's 100% that it's true, but I'm also not willing to just say it's false completely. It, it really, no, it, 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 look, really no one's gonna... it really scares me that that was like half of that article that he wrote. Um, that right, but you, you don't have to do very much to convince me that the Padres are cheap. I mean, you're you're yes, you're preaching we know to like, literally so, the so dudes that's that concerning. Went and got a... That's very concerning to me. So when I hear Hosmer, like if if he was part of this master plan where we're going to spend way more money and they're going to take the you know the hundred and twenty million dollars of accumulated profits over the rebuilding process, and they're going to invest it back into the team. Which, of course, I have no confidence that they'll ever do that. Okay, then yeah, it makes perfect sense. They're going to add a bunch of players around him, and it, it's all part of the plan as the prospects come up. But you know, a, a substantial part of my brain worries that what AC says is true because that fits exactly what we know about Ron Fowler up to this point. Sure, but and there's no better proof to prove that differently than to just go out there and sign players. And so in order to go out there and sign players, you have to sign a first player. Right. But, right? But, and so if but this the is team, the first player, the team told him, totally the team fine told signing. AC if, that we're going to sign this guy and that's going to be it. Don't, don't even, don't even talk about a, a crappy DJ LeMahieu level player. Cause that's too expensive. That's concerning. Sure. That's very and concerning to me. I, and that fits exactly I, what we've seen over the last like 15 years of Ron Fowler being, I think a, it's, how, how long has Ron Fowler been a part of this team? Going back, I mean, like, I think it's more concerning that you're even considering the idea that Kevin AC is making accurate predictions going forward. Like, look, uh, no one, who, no like, one, no really one really closely followed. No one the Chargers, can't stand like, extremely closely and hung on every single word and really wanted to watch North Turner get fired because I thought he was a large problem. Really wanted to watch Mike McCord get fired. I have been duped by Kevin AC leads from front offices many, many times. I am telling you right now, please do not put any stock into it. Yes. There's a chance they don't sign anyone. And if that's the case, it didn't matter that they signed Eric Hosmer. That's my entire thing. They have to sign like four hundred or five hundred million dollars worth of free agents in the next half decade if they seriously truly want to produce a World Series caliber team. So spending 144 million of four hundred million or five hundred million on a twenty eight year old, decent, good player is totally fine. They have will have to supplement that. They'll probably have to sign another player sort of like Eric Hosmer, plays another position, maybe it's a pitcher. Maybe it's Drew Pomeranz. I don't know. They're going to have to sign other players like that. 
So I'm only judging this in the context of this. In the context of he's, he's 28, he's probably the best option of the limited options of free agency next year. I don't like any of the other realistic options in free agency next year. They're all older, they're all probably more expensive, and there's more bidders that are going to be part of that Pom- process. And Pom- also, Pom- by the Pom- way, Pom- he might also 30. cost a first-round pick. This year doesn't cost a first-round pick. So I think there's many reasons to to be okay with this. And again, I agree with you. I think his market value is probably something like $115 million. Paying 144, it seems like you're throwing $30 million away. But in the context, in the grander scheme of things, I don't think it's a bad deal. And I'm excited the fact that they've got a decent player. It's not going to make me purchase a ticket. I probably will buy some sort of Hosmer jersey. It's not going to be like a reason to come out to the ballpark. Like, no, I don't think it's embarrassing to buy a jersey of the highest paid player they've ever purchased. I think that it's reasonable to get excited about it. Maybe he ends up sucking and I regret the jersey purchase five years from now, but I think there's a decent chance that he also becomes Are the you, best free agent signing we've ever had. This is a small aside, but let's say let's say last year was a career year that he doesn't match. Are you at all worried about Ron Fowler going on the radio if he's throwing up a, let's say, a .5 war year like he has two times out of the last oh, of four course. years? Like, is that, that'll happen in the first year, right? If he's putting up that am, kind of I am always worried. I am always worried with uh, Ron Fowler talking. That's irrespective. Like, if it wasn't Eric Hosmer next year, it would have been Will Myers. It would have been someone else that he's going to go out there and say something stupid about on the radio. And, you know. But this time I, he's undercutting I don't think, our ultimate leader, <laughs> the, the number one leader in the history of the team. Yeah, but I don't think Ron Fowler going on the radio is the reason why you sign or don't sign players. Like, I feel like it's, it's so – I mean, that's something that internally he needs to work on himself is how to – if he's going to go on the radio, he needs to talk about the team in positive ways, and he doesn't talk about them in negative ways. And if he does talk about the team in negative ways, it can only be him talking about himself. <laughs> like you can't. Well, look, look. I, I think it. I think. I think it would be insane. I mean, you could have the same argument if they got Otani. You can have the same argument if they got Bryce Harper next offseason, and he was only putting up a three-war season. Like you have to worry about what, with what Ron Fowler is saying. I agree. I just don't see how that makes any difference whatsoever in who you sign and don't sign. Let's let's move on to the I guess the fallout from this, which of course is Will Myers moving from first base, a position he said he prefers greatly and helps him hit and concentrate. Uh, we all assumed he was moving to left field. It it appears that he is uh, going to be the new right fielder, from what I'm reading here. Is that is that what you're picking up as well? Yeah, and so that Renfro Renfro and right Perella will be competing for the left field position. Yeah, which is disappointing because I feel like Franchi should be in there. And that's what I've seen. Well, we all knew that we all knew that if they signed Hosmer, Franchi was the one who would take the fall here, right? I mean, that was assumed. I thought. Yeah, I mean, my assumption was actually that Franchi wasn't actually going to get the job, anyways. Unfortunately, I feel like they've uh, decided that Alex Dickerson and Jose Perella are the left fielders that should compete for the job, which is weird because I would rather have it be. Two different names like Franchi and Jankowski, but yeah, but Ron Fowler loves uh, Alex Dickerson, I, which I don't understand at all. He's, this has long been established, but that also means that someone in the front good. office, you know, when they when they placate Ron all the time, they're like, "Hey, Ron," so you can feel like he's part of the team, uh, are telling him all the time about how great Dickerson is going to be. Yeah, it's weird. I, I'm I'm not sure where that really comes from for him. But, but like aside from that, yeah, like, like Frenchy Frenchy was the man out for all of this. Like we knew that. Yeah, but he's also the youngest, and you know he has. A, and, and so a, also, a lot of I don't dislike the idea of left, competing. So. I, I like making Renfro, not just handing him a position based on his prospect pedigree. I, I like that. I like comp- if it's actually a competition, which the team has said before sometimes that there's a competition and they just hand the you know they hand the job to someone, but. If it's really a competition, I think that's good for, for Renfro. Because I think for the team to succeed long-term, they, it would really help if Renfro didn't totally suck. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Yeah, I don't disagree. And, and I if mean, this will motivate him, then great. You know, whatever method they need yeah. to motivate him. Or, or to, I don't even think it's a motivation. It's not like he wasn't trying. So I'm not sure it's a motivation issue. But um, whatever they can do to try to get him going, I think, is, is good, right? I'm not Mency. I'm not Menzraya who's like ready to, to just kick him in the nuts and leave him on the curb. Yeah, I think it's fine if you're doing it under the guise of oh they're gonna compete for something. But I think if if it's actually a true competition and Jose Perella wins, then what do you do with Renfro? Like I, I 
I would rather mu I would much rather play Renfro and just cut Perella right now, like today, just cut Perella, which is a waste of resources. But I would rather do that if it ensured Renfro got to play. Or move the second. What he I mean, needs. He, he was originally a second baseman. Sure, you could do that, but I think there's also better, younger options at second base I'm right not now. Sure so I just I'm, don't see. I'm not sure there. I'm is. also just not a believer in Jose Perella. I just think he's the net, the, the latest line of those. But I think you give him. I think you. I think you give him enough line we, until he we fails. Just extrapolate. We extrapolate like two months of production over a course of a year and just assume he's a three-win above replacement player when he's probably going to end up being a complete nothing and a waste of playing time that you can give to an actually young player, which is the way I feel about Jose Perella right now. I'd yeah, much rather I, give Renfro those at-bats or Franchi Stop talking at -bats, like he's a fossil. Or Jankowski at -bats, those at-bats. He's not old. Yeah, but he's not young. It, he's the same as Hosmer. Stop talking to him like he's a senior citizen. And like, yeah, like I think there's good. all this belief that like Carlos Asuaje, he's he's a star in the making. Like he's not a star in the making. He's a at best a utility guy, right? Like Perella's actually put up numbers in the major league level, which Asuaje could only wish no, for. No, he has three hundred. No, he has three hundred forty-four plate appearances, and he had a three forty-three. Yeah, and didn't have like, didn't have all. I, unlike Schimpf, he didn't have super. I mean, he did have the Babbitt, but he didn't have super super weird stats supporting his fluky season. He does have super weird stats supporting. Not Shimp, like all Babbitt. Not Shimp's weird. I I might agree with that, but I actually think the Shimp weird was something where that you could dream on. You could be like, well, maybe they found some glitch. You know, this yeah, long yeah, maybe they shit, found one with like Perella. I don't know. He wasn't. He wasn't. No, he's. He wasn't nothing before. It's not like he came out of nowhere. Like he was a semi-regarded prospect before. I guess, but when he was a Swahe's age right now, he was in double was like, A with a two ninety two. What did you see from his like, everyone? You know, so everyone like, with a Swahe was like, oh, he takes such. Such tough at bats. He's he's real tough out there, but like there weren't really that many results. Oh, I'm not I'm not saying. So, and so I'm so like what are the second base? Swahe at second base. I'd much rather play Spanchenberg to be honest with you. But that's not that's not the argument that's being made. I I just don't see how Perella could. I, th I, look I at think Perella's like Schimpf, and I see like Schimpf, you give him I see a, you give him a job and you let him fail because it doesn't matter next year. And when he fa if he fails, then cut him or send him to the AAA or whatever, and then then do what you were going to do in the first place. But Otherwise, you may have a guy who is on pace to do, you know, three to four war last year. So, who? Perella. He only had like 350 at-bats last year, and he had two-plus war in it. Yeah, but it was, th yeah, but that's 343 BABIP inflated. Like, right. over the course so of let him three, fail. 500 play I, I think he's earned the chance to fail. On a garbage team, I think he's, he's earned the chance to fail. I'd rather see him out there trying. And if it doesn't work out, then cut bait on I can tell you right now, it's not going to work out. And then when it doesn't work out, what you've done is you've wasted plate appearances. It's on fine. Spangenberg's. Spange are you? Are we really counting on Spangenberg? You're really counting. You, you, you've always been. A, I'm not. You've always been pro. -spangy. I'm not counting on him, but I think there's. I am pro Spangy because I think there's upside there, and he's only 26. I mean, I think there's more, considerably more upside in in him than there is in Perella. Um, I, I just don't see. You know, I, I feel like if you watch those two players and you go look at their career stat lines, I'm not sure how anyone would rather have Perella. I, I get it if if all you're trying to do is win one more game in 2018, maybe Perella is a better choice. But if you're actually looking to get a player that's going to be a contributor in 2019, 2020, only, there, I don't see how there's any possible Marver. comparison between the two players. He's not old. Yeah, but that's... To be to have 500 plate appearances at the age of 28, and to be barely be above replacement, and have that be Babbitt based above replacement, I mean, I think it's a pretty good sign that the player is replacement level, or just a minor, decent bench piece that you can play, you know, when your main guy goes on the DL for 15 days. Like I've, that's the way I look at Perilla. I wouldn't give him any playing time because a guy like Renfro, a guy like Spangenberg, a guy like even Jankowski, at least you can see some sort of long-term upside where, yeah, maybe they end up being a three-war starter. I don't see that with Perella. I don't see how anyone can actually look at a stat line and look at the history of Major League Baseball players and similar players to Perella and say, yes, I think there's a, a pretty good probability this guy's a three-win above replacement player. It's just not – that's just not reality for him. Hey, so um, and so I think we need to, we need to be uh, more proactive in saying, no, these guys are not going to be useful – we should give these 500 plate appearances to Franchi Cordero or, or Hunter Renfro or whoever else, even if that player is marginally worse in this season on expectations. The fact that that player has a longer turn outside, you need to be cognizant of the fact that those major league at-bats matter. What is Henfro, Hunter Renfro going to do down in AAA? He's going to put up monster stats. It's not 
but it's not relevant stats for him. It doesn't do anything long-term for his development. No, and it arguably actually reinforces whatever bad habits he had. Yeah, so I don't see the, the, the reason to do that. Um, I do think it's weird that... I, so know, let me say this. I thought it was weird they're putting Will Myers Would you have chosen base, Will Myers right, to play right, right field? field? Like, he's got a track record of being I, a terrible think, outfielder. Like, not just the center field experiment. Like, he was bad in other places as well. He played left and right. I yeah, think they I, parked him in left because that's where he would do the least damage for the team. But I, it's, it's a little surprising to me that they're just defaulting to, to giving him the right field job. I think the, the purpose of giving him the right field job, and I, I haven't seen this written anywhere, is just the fact that the ball comes off the bat somewhere to first base. I think that's the entire reasoning behind it. But um, but isn't right field a better sure spot the, for someone with a... Like, you would hope Renfro, you know, maybe figures the arm out at least. Like his greatest arguably one of his greatest weapons and you're you're taking that out of out of right field yeah no i don't disagree with that aspect of it i think it's a bummer that renfro's rocket very very inaccurate rocket will no longer be in right field attempting to throw runners out at home but throwing it seven feet wide i think it's a bummer we won't get to see that anymore um and i wish that will myers had that tool but i I do see where they're coming from if their rationale is that it's the same angle coming off the bat I, i do think that matters as someone that I mean, I didn't play baseball super competitively, but in my little experience uh, playing travel ball and playing a little bit in high school, I think that actually does matter. It does look a lot different. And so it's not surprising to me that they would say, hey, this guy's played first base now for a couple years. Let's not make him relearn the angles and the way the ball moved. Just put him out in right field. I mean, the difference between right field and left field is kind of pretty small anyways. So I I don't – I'm not going to read too much into that, to be honest with you. Um but it also let's, might let's be put, um, a little bit of hinting that the Padres don't necessarily believe Hunter Renfro is a long-term option, right? If you thought he was a long-term right field option, I don't think you would mess quite as much with him. But I think this might be a concession that he's not necessarily in the long-term plans because of you know lackluster range statistics in right field and also the fact that he just doesn't draw walks at the plate and that basically saps all the value out of his bat. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that they're saying, hey, Will Myers isn't right. Because I think right now... You would agree with me that Will Myers is a better baseball player than Hunter Renfro. So do whatever you can to assuage your better player, and I think giving him the same angle that he had at first base is fine. I, I, I agree with you. I think Will Myers is going to be bad in right field, but I would still, I think, probably err on the side of Will Myers and Hunter Renfro. So um, I'm fine with it. It's okay. It's going to be weird watching that. I, I don't know if he'll ever end up being an average outfielder, and – you know, I, I wish Eric Hosmer played third base or played another position that wouldn't have made this necessary. But I'm I'm still fine with it. It's not it's not something that becomes a deal breaker in the context of the Hosmer trade. It's just a side note of it. You know, it's like you know we moved Ryan Kluska to left. I'm not saying that worked out very well. Moved Phil Nevin to left. I'm not saying that worked out very well either. But I'm saying we've we've done these things before. Chase Headley. It, it, it's not necessarily a fail, failure. Chase Headley. Sure, They've almost all worked out poorly. Um, yeah, yeah, but I, I'm I, struggling to think of one where it know, went great. <laughs> Headley didn't go great. I still think Will Myers. I, uh, the thing is, I still think Will Myers is on somewhat of a a team friendly contract. So I, I think if he can go out there and be passable in right field, and still hit okay, that he's going to retain his value, and that's going to give the Padres some flexibility. So I'm not worried about okay. it. I'm only worried about it if if it ends up Hunter Renfro back in AAA and Jose Perella meaningless, meaningless 2018s you know, asterisk side note that we'll talk about jokingly in four years. Um, if I'm only concerned if he actually wins a left field job. Uh, two quick, or sorry, one quick thing on this topic before we move on to our new beat writer. But uh, I'm, I'm just flipping through a, a Jeff Sanders article. Or actually, it's Kevin Acey, actually. But um, they're already talking about um, Myers being protected by Hosmer in the lineup. So I assume that means Myers at three and Hosmer at four. I don't know how much you care about line of protection. I think it's overrated, but um, is that your optimal configuration, or would you reverse the two? That's a good question. Um, so, because I my who my you, first who, my, who do you assume is going to be the top of the lineup? Because that's that's the main yeah, question for gonna, me, right? They'll like, just stick. Green will just stick someone be, who's kind of fast there, and he'll. <laughs> it'll be Margot and Freddie Galvis, right? Probably. Exactly. Just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really. I, you, I'm torn. I don't know if it I matters think on the that surface, much, it doesn't make, I'm torn because on the surface, I don't think it should matter very much. But I'm going back to Adrian Gonzalez. Do you remember? I don't know if you remember the seasons where it was like Adrian and like the second best player was Will Venable. Yes. You know, yeah. like, 
the, those terrible years. And it went from like Adrian, once he didn't have anyone there, he walked like 110 times because they just didn't throw him strikes. And I feel, and now granted that actually probably made him more valuable, but I think there actually is something to play protection. I mean, if you go look at the Reds, for example, last year, Zach Kozar got to hit in front of Joey Votto all year and put up monster stats. And if you look at the the games where Votto didn't play or when Kozar didn't hit right in front of Joey Votto, completely different stat line. And I, so I think yeah, there are the thing, some so anecdotes like, I can point towards, but I don't think Hosmer's... <laughs> you know, he's not taking a ton of walks. He's not going to take 110 walks. Yeah, but I think it's irrelevant because I don't think Hosmer's good enough of a hitter to warrant that treatment, right? right? I think... The, the type of guys that warranted are your Joey Votos, are your Adrian Gonzalez in the prime. And I think Eric Hosmer is just a merely good player. And I don't think he's going to afford Will Myers much more protection than what he was getting last year. So I'm not – I don't buy too much into that. Um, I wish they would just optimize the lineup based on, you know, you want to get your best players the most at-bats. And you would have, you know, Margot and Hosmer probably as your – you know, two of the top three guys in your lineup. That's probably what I would do. Um but you know, I'm not too worried. I also like. I think. I'm, I think offhand, I'd go. I'd go. Margot Hosmer, Myers, Renfro. That's what I would default to, probably. But that's fine with me. Yeah. Um, I just don't think it'll. I'm curious to see way. if Luis Urias wins the job in spring training too, because I think that's there's an outside chance of that. And then how does that affect the lineup? Because I think I think he's a top of the lineup hitter. Right. I agree. Um. So. so you know, I, I, I think the lineup piece is something that we'll be uh, probably podcasting about and tweeting about for quite a while. But I, I'm not going to get up with arms over that right now. Right. I, I don't think it. I don't think it should change Will Myers' projection. I mean, that's really what you're sort of getting at. Is the lineup protection going to help him? I don't know. Maybe it will. You know, maybe we'll find out that half of Will Myers' problem was that they were just throwing him junk because the hitter behind him was garbage. You know, maybe he'll get a lot of fastballs now in the zone and. He'll just feast on them. I don't know. You know, that's. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be shocked if that happened. But I just don't think Eric Hosmer is that type of hitter to instill that much fear in right. a pitcher. So. Um, All right. Let's move on yeah. real quick on uh, our last. I want to go lay in a hammock. But uh, let's talk about our new beat writer. We've touched on it a bit. <laughs> I'm going to go shovel some snow. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've got you know some differing. Look, no nobody disliked AC. You know, I think I think we were both pretty vocal that AC's a hack, right? He's a, he was a terrible columnist. I, I did point out that I, I think there have been cases in the past where I've respected stands he's taken. I, I think he was awful with the Chargers. But he was arguably the only person in town that openly pointed out the deficiencies of Mike D in his front office. He oh, pretty openly did that. I think he called yeah. Wayne Partello a sycophant in there, which is true. Um, so I, I, I think when they announced the AC uh, move, I wasn't excited about it like I was hoping new blood would come in I don't think Dennis Lynn was that great I think he was vanilla and I don't think he would have ever taken a stand I don't think he would have ever published that AC article that mentioned that they would not sign another free agent after that I think he would have buried that and so I guess I kind of side on the on the I guess I was willing to give AC a clean slate a semi-clean slate and judge him based off the work he puts out and see if he's willing to kind of stir the pot a little because I don't think we've had a beat writer here in a long time that was willing to do that yeah and I I, I think those are some of AC's strengths I, I think he kind of be, marches to his own drum but I, I and we've talked about it look, like, I've like actually the, the, the thing is I've actually met with Kevin AC they're patsies they they, they sure. ask softball questions they don't publish anything that's semi uh, that, that's at all controversial especially Dennis Lynn I mean Dennis Lynn was fine for what he was reporting game stories and, and facts but he was terrible at anything that would lead to change within the organization. Yeah, I'm not a big I'm not a big Dennis Lynn fan, and in fact, I, I'm kind of shocked. Like, no, no, let me let me back up. I think Dennis Lynn probably has the most talent of all of them, but I don't think he uses it at all. As a reporter, was very right. As a reporter, I agree with you. Yes, and so I I was kind of miffed that a lot of Padres fans were bummed that he was leaving. I didn't think he brought too much to the table. I also th- kind of think the move, I know it looks like a backwards move in the context of writing, but I think it's a much safer position for Kevin AC. Like, I think Chargers columnist is a position that's going away Agreed. at the UT. <laughs> yeah. It might take them five years before they figure it out, but it'll go away. And they've and got so Krasovic writing nothing but Chargers stuff. So yeah, I, I am just... The Chargers are still their number one on their, uh, their, their bar at the top of the website. It's the very first one. The Potters are fifth fifth 
Anyways, uh, I, I have a history with AC, actually. So when the documentary came out, he had me on to his show with Annie Heilbrunn. They were doing, like, the UT online show, you know? And so I got to meet him in person. He and I got breakfast together, too, and he would use some of my stuff from Bolts from the Blue um, on the air. And that was cool. And I think there's a part of AC that is um, much more receptive to the opinion of other people. I know that he, sometimes a lot of times on the internet he comes off as very dismissive. Like a total But I actually, don't, I actually don't think that's how he works, having met him in person and have, you know, I think once you have a conversation with someone, you learn a little bit more about them. Um, but I just don't think, I'm just not a huge fan of his work in general. And that's not anything personal with AC. Like, I actually think he's a pretty decent person to get a, probably get a beer with. It's just that I think having followed his Charger stuff very closely and having been a writer for Bolts from the Blue at the time that I was, you know, also writing, I was looking at his stuff. I just don't think he's very talented at making predictions, and I think he also is very much a shill, or at least was, certainly for the I Chargers. Agree. I agree. I think he was a shill for the Chargers, but that's why I was also willing to Absolutely. give him... The fact that he was able to attack Mike D so heavily told me that maybe he wasn't as beholden to the Padres. I, I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, at so, the same time, he wrote he wrote just a ball-washing article on Ron Fowler, like, three weeks ago, yeah, but... Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I, I'm also not willing. He's been in town forever. He's got a lot of contacts, and my hope is that as he takes the beat, he's kind of opening has this opening salvo of trying to prove that he's uh, on our side, not the ownership side, right? Did you know that he used to do the Angels beat? I did not. I didn't know, know that. that when I yeah when I first was looking at the move, I thought it made no sense. But the fact that he's done a baseball beat in the past is kind of cool. So I'm I'm okay with right. That. And so, so so like these are all things that are making me. Look, I, I've made a lot of fun of Kevin Acey, and he, he generally sucks, right? But especially on Twitter, he really sucks. Um, but I think, I'm, I think I've had a fairly open mind towards his work so far, and I would say that he's been a refreshing change from Dennis Lynn, I think. Like to the yeah, point where I, I have no. I, I, I actually have. I wouldn't, a lot of people were like. At the same time, I wouldn't put any. I wouldn't put any stock in in the in everything though. Like I, I would focus on the fact that. Look, yeah, I take it with a grain of salt. Hosmer news. He had an article when no one even knew it was coming out. He certainly deserves a lot of credit for that. That's great. Maybe he'll be the first in breaking a lot of news, and maybe he'll break even more news than we've heard in the past. Maybe he wouldn't bury the Mike D story, right? So, I think those are positive things. We but I don't think him. we should take. Have you asked him if he'll, if now that he's the beat writer, he'll report on it. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, I You're the one that's him pals with him. him. But, yeah. I'll text my best pal, uh, Kevin yeah. Acey. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, look, I, mean, look, I think I'm open-minded. The, the, and, and so a lot of people are like, well, why would I read the UT anymore now that Dennis Lynn's at The Athletic? I, I look at it the exact opposite way. It's like, uh, I'm not going to pay for The Athletic to read Dennis Lynn writing the same <laughs> yeah. stuff as AJ Casavell. <laughs> and, and yeah, when I think AC's so far has done a fairly good job. So... Yeah, speaking of the athletic, um, I think you and I are on the same page that uh, we don't see any way that model ends up working out, right? That financial model. No, I just can't. There's a lot of simpletons that are like, well, with all that talent, how could they fail? Yeah. But, like, all that talent costs money, and you start totaling what they're expected. Let's just say you plug in salaries for, for people for people like that. <laughs> and and um, what, do, what do you think Lynn's getting paid now? Like, like what do you, what do you think, think Jason is? Stark's making? Six figures? I mean, you think he's getting 100 tough. grand? Uh, maybe. Eno Saris. I don't, what do you think he's t- getting? It's like tough 60, 60 grand? Something like that. I was going to ask what you Like, let's say you just had a Lynn's baseline of 50 grand for everyone, which might sure. be low, might be high. I don't know. That's a lot of overhead that they're incurring for a beat writer in all of these cities. Um, and then you start totaling, what, 350 a month, like how many subscriptions you need to cover... $50,000. And that's also just a direct payment. We don't know if there's benefits or anything like that or, you know, bonuses. There's, it's just like a financial system that I don't... It, it's a financial... Um, it's a business plan that I, I just can't see working. Like, the, the numbers that they would need to attract are I know, immense. Like, how many San Diego subscribers... This, right? are, how many San Diego people are really going to subscribe? Like, maybe 100 on Padres Twitter? If that. media media members all subscribe, you know, but you know a thousand subscriptions nets revenue of what thirty five thousand or so a year. Yeah, forty grand. And, and some of that's going yeah. to the athletic and the you know the platform, probably quite a bit, fifty fifty even. So I just don't get I don't get the numbers behind it. No, and we've seen other models like this not work. I mean, we've even seen better models like I mean, look at Grantland for example. Grantland had. 
tons of top talent, like more than the athletic right. is even getting. And they didn't even put it behind a paywall, right? So they were just going off regular marketing and you know ad clicks on stuff. And they ha- they were you know generate. I'm sure a lot of their overheads were covered too by ESPN and other you know things that they didn't have to build out themselves. Right, and had traffic directed scratch. to them straight off of like a top yeah. ten website. Yeah, and that failed. So I don't see how now you add a subscription piece to it. And for anyone that uh, has any has done any sort of business modeling in the past, subscription management is a. I, I would never want to have to uh, run a business that was based on subscription. It just is a very difficult model to run successfully right. unless it's absolute top of the top. I mean, you're talking like you know Netflix, those types of subscriptions. Yeah, and yeah, I, I hate to break okay, it to you, but, but Dennis Lynn is not. You know, subscribing for Dennis Lynn is not top of the top here. No, it's not. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one thing if they got like. Um, Here's another tip for everyone that that's like, know. oh, I hate the pop-ups on. I hate these pop-over videos and, like, the limits. So if you read it on your phone, just click the reading mode. It'll just pull everything into just text if you don't want to see all the stuff. It's really easy. Yeah. Gen- generally, so, when you hit a, a news site and it brings up, like, a paywall block, like, if you just hit the you know, the thing where it loads the article for a second and then it brings up the paywall thing, just hit the reading mode thing, and it'll go right to your article. You don't need to worry about it. That's a that's a free tip from Cointelligence.com. So, um, real quick, I I put out a poll last night on the Hosmer deal. Let's just wrap this up here with with some quick fan impressions. And my poll was very simple. It was, are you happy with the Hosmer signing? What percentage of fans do you think voted yes? Uh, I'm gonna guess it was high. I, I think some of our fans are just happy. A lot of our fans are happy if ESPN talks about the Padres. Like, that's where our... Like, do you remember the year where they came to spring training after Preller's winter? And everyone was like, oh, so exciting. Baseball tonight's going to be at Peoria today. Can you believe it? Watching the Padres? Like, that's the... That's like the low standard that we have in San Diego as Padres yeah. fans. So I'm going to guess it's 65-35. Maybe even 70-30. 83-17. Okay, yeah. That's not, not, not all I was, unsurprising. I, and it's, what it's percentage important of that, to remember so it's like, not our money, right? No, 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 I know. And, and I'm I'm curious, what percentage of that, because the terms of the eight-year contract were slightly lower than I was expecting. Do you think that played into it at all? Do you think fans, when they saw eight years, were expecting it to be 160, 170? And then no, the I'm, I'm basing this off my knowledge of, of, reading, of reading Facebook comments on anything the Padres post that even if he made $10 million a year, Padres fans would be like, what a greedy player. I can't believe they're paying him $10 million a year. Like, the, the level that we're working with is so low. That's so true. So, I mean, I think Padres Twitter in general is pretty good in its discourse, but I, I recognize that there are massive amounts of people that do actually go to the games for the video board and for Phil's barbecue. That, um, So I, I don't put a lot of stock in, in some results like that. So you mentioned Hosmer's not going to make you buy a ticket. Are you going to buy any Hosmer? And you were basically shaming me for wanting no, to buy I'm a Hosmer, buy Hosmer jersey, which I am no, going to buy. I don't buy. buy jerseys. The only jersey I've ever bought in my life is a counterfeit Chinese Jabari Blash jersey. So I'm set. I'm done. <laughs> I don't buy jerseys. I don't wear jerseys. I don't think adults should be wearing jerseys. Really? I don't wear jerseys to games. Are you kidding me? Is that why you don't watch football? I mean, you can't really watch. You can't go to a football game and not wear a jersey. Oh, I have a Stan Humphreys jersey. Okay. So I have one. Okay, so I have that's... a Stan Humphreys jersey, and I have a, uh, a Jabari Blast jersey, and that's it. All of my replica jersey giveaways, they're still in the plastic, sitting in a closet in my house. See, I wear those until I can no longer wear those. My Eric Owens has long since been retired. Well, that's a T-shirt. My, uh, my da- if we're talking jersey, wi- jersey is different. I have a Pavacqua jersey. Okay, we have a. Uh, I have that you know the Dave Winfield ones that they gave out multiple times that were originally XLs that have now been in the washer and dryer so many times that it's like, like barely an adult medium. <laughs> have a couple of those that I'm gonna about about to retire. Um, so I actually kind of needed a new one. Um, I did buy a Justin Upton jersey a few years back, and I knew that it was gonna be a one year jersey. Was that a satisfying kind of purchase for you, Marber? It was, because I got it uh, using a gift card that I had found in an old drawer that I thought was expired that I found out could not expire. And it was like a super old Padres 
uh, light blue thing. It, the, the gift card was from 2004, if that gives you any idea of how this gift card would have looked. And it still worked, and so it was, it was like I got a free jersey basically out of it, is the way I looked at it. Obviously, I could have spent it on anything. But yeah, imagine if you just put that money into some Ethereum. <laughs> yeah. You blew it into some yeah. Litecoin, um, some crypto. Yeah, I don't have any interest in those. But That's too bad. I'm the one that's going to be buying a Lambo yeah. off my Zillica. Well, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's a, that's a decent place to end this, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think we did well for a... Uh, for, uh, You're in Costa Rica yeah. about to buy a Lambo. Okay. Well, you know, Zillica's still sitting at about six cents. I needed to to really go to the moon before, before we start talking about that, but I do have a heavy position on Zillica. How, uh, how heavy? Uh, you know, a few grand. Quite a few grand. Okay. Not like a mortgage, but... I'm already heavily leveraged in Southern California real estate, Marver. Yeah, and I'm, I'm about to be too, by the way. Um, I'll break that news at some point. Great, but, uh, exciting. We're on the edge of our seats. I know. Uh, well, I think this is a, a productive emergency podcast. I think Leisure Fryer will be very satisfied with this, and I think we've, uh, I think we've covered our bases. I, I, do, I mean, look, don't get me wrong. All things being equal, having Hosmer on the team is better than not having Hosmer on the team. What worries me are the externalities related to it, which may or may not be true. But there's certainly concerns that I have, given the team's history and this ownership's history, um, that that they'll go 75% of the way and we'll we'll make a couple wild cards and that'll be the closing of the window. We'll pull a Pirates. That's you know that's the ultimate fear, right? That the Padres will pull a Pirates. And right, and I think that's kind of why we need to be on our. You know, we need to be on the soapbox. Right. I, I don't like think the narrative is over. Like, I think now now that we have Hosmer is when people should be pushing the hardest. Yeah, and that's kind of – and see, this is another reason why I'm I'm happy that Hosmer is 28. Because if they had done this with Zach Cozart, right, If they, or like I don't know what, what a better older example would have been. I think the odds of that player working out are lower because of just basic attrition rates and aging curves. And that might sour the Padres from doing something like this in the future. Like – the way that the James Shields thing went, I'm extremely happy they just picked themselves back up, got a prospect, and then went out and signed Eric Hosmer. Like, it didn't even seem like they blinked about it. So I think that's promising, and I think if Hosmer ends up being good and shows that he's a, uh, you know, playing up to his contract, I think that'll push the organization towards possibly considering more. And like I said, if they aren't going to sign any more players, it doesn't matter who they signed with this contract because it's not going to work out. Yeah. So... They have to. They have to do that. And if you have to do that, I'm okay with them doing it with a 28 year old with some upside. And so, um, yeah, I think in general I'm happy with it. I think it's it, if you could pinpoint, you know, if there were many, many, many more free agents available at a range of costs, I think I could have found you a better bargain. But in the context of what was available and what's going to be available next year, I'm. I think this is almost a prudent signing. So. Well, let's see how it goes. Um, let's watch some yeah, of the, the early spring training performances and whatnot, which, of course, I won't be able to get here. But um, I'll be back in the States in a week or so, and we can we can schedule another podcast at that point. Yep. Okay. Well, uh, you enjoy Costa Rica. I can hear the, the bar in the background. Sounds kind of nice. I'm getting parched. Um, I need another Imperial here. <laughs> another, another beer. Yeah. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe tone it down a little bit. No, that's okay. I thought it was good that we were so ornery yeah. for this episode. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, then, uh, yeah. Enjoy the next, yeah. the rest of your trip, lucky asshole. And then, then I'll see you when you get back in the state. All right. Sounds good. All right. Go Padres. Go Padres. <laughs>